All right, we are recording. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Here we go. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm Stacey Hagerty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Joining us today is author Mark Berriosiella. Mark, hi, thank you for joining us. Thank you, how are you? Pleasure I'm to be here. Doing very well, thank you. I'm very excited to share with our listeners your book, which is Let's Get Sincere. I got to read it. It's a fantastic read, Mark. I, why don't we start with some of the easy stuff first, though? If you could introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us about yourself. Yeah, my name is Mark. I live in South Florida, my metro area, South Florida. Um, first generation college grad, and my day job is that I'm an attorney, and um, I decided to be an author as well. So that's my 30 second uh, uh, elevator speech about me. Fantastic. So your book is all about allyship. And a, a couple of things first. So one of the first things that you do is rather than talking about communities that we would normally, at least in my world, talk about being underrepresented or marginalized or minority communities, you refer to these communities as resilient communities. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody refer to marginalized communities that way. Talk to me about what, what brought you to use that term instead. Uh, simply put, why not? Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm more of an active and positive person at the end of the day. So instead of having classmates by name that suggest negativity, I'm more, how about we call ourselves one that's more about how we rise above it, something more positive. I mean, in a lot of my elevator speeches, I will say disadvantage just because it just kind of clicks with people a lot better when I say that, but it's really resilient because a lot of it's just about bouncing up and, you know, turning a negative into a positive, so to speak. So, because it is possible with many um, crises that go on that you can turn it into a positive. I love that. I, I'm going to start using the term resilient communities because I think it really does a nice job of putting a... a a more accurate light on what so many communities are going through. Let's talk about allyship. Why is it, what is it? Why is it so important? Well, um, it's important in general because uh, people just aren't completely equal in this day and age for a variety of different reasons that are in my book. I have a little chapter that really discusses that, but it's important to just lift up our fellow human beings. I mean, we're all first and foremost human and, you know, we all, when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. We should all help each other out because having some suffer and others don't doesn't help anybody out. So, um, but in this book, I do encourage allyship, but I have a, a bit of a different take on it. So I'm not going to tell you, but even though I would say being an ally to every Brazilian community is aspirational, it's a goal that we should all strive for. But it's one that admittedly we may not always get to accomplish. Maybe or it's too difficult. And in my book, I do promote sincerity because being an ally is a very unique thing. And what keeps people with it and honest about it is being sincere. And that is just what is your personal connection to your community of choice? Uh, I literally said it a bunch of times. It could be you got a lot of friends in that group, you've dated people in that group, you got family in that group, uh, you, you work with those groups your clients tend to be there. You just have good friendships or personal relationships with those people. All those are great reasons um, to do that. So that, and that is also what keeps you sincere because 
it's akin to kind of like how soldiers go out when they go to war. They say they left to fight for their country, but at the end of the day, in combat, they fought just for their friends that were there with them. So it's the same thing here. I mean, you may go out with a grand deal, go out and help this resent community, but at the end of the day, when you're really struggling for it, you think of the ones closest to you, maybe your spouse who might be in that community, maybe a friend from school, or a co-worker, or a mentor, or a mentee. Those are the people that will push you forward when times get tough. So. I'm glad you mentioned mentors and mentees because that's something that we talk about a lot in professional world. Well, you know, oftentimes, especially when people are early in their careers, they'll have a mentor, someone who is further along in their career to help them through, to help them learn, help them grow. How do you explain allyship as being different from mentorship, but still related? Uh, they are related and somebody who has a bit of, you know, of, I guess, privilege and knowledge, experience, success, having somebody that doesn't have that. Um, that's just mentorship. Allyship is if you decide to try and help those of a resilient community. Maybe you are a professor at school that's the sense to serve people in those communities. And yeah, you could be an ally just doing that because it's, you know, my book is you, sometimes allies do big things major grandiose gestures but um not everybody out there is really all about big doing big gestures sometimes you just won't have that opportunity not everybody's going to be famous doing that so for those of us that will not be and or would rather not be there's plenty of more mundane ways to do that and mentorship has always been just a great way to do it it's just the chinese example. i mean how many times have you had a teacher that's aspired to do a lot better? I mean, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without good teachers like that. So that's one of the best ways. But something I do mention a lot in my book is the difference between knowing and understanding. So you probably have a job, you have your own career, you have your own set of knowledge and skill sets. You might have to put your thinking cap on and see, you know, how can I apply that to help if there's any community of my choice? And uh, you have to think about that. I'm not always going to have the answer to that. And I say that a couple of times in my book. I'm not always going to have the answer to everything. I give you the tools to think things through so you can figure it out for yourself because every community is different. Every person is different. Every situation is different. You know, who the resilient communities of 20 years ago are going to be very different than the ones in 20 years in the future. So it's hard for me to say what's going to give you one size, one size fits all answers to everything. For that reason, uh, mentorship is one example. Uh, leading a group of workers is another. Just being a good friend can be one, arguably. I mean, these are all different ways to do it. So, but obviously, you know, you got to put your thinking cap on and see, you know, what position you can play to be a good ally. And in your book, you you make a really interesting comparison. You talk about allies and predators and how they can sort of look the same. So, what makes what kinds of personality traits make a good ally? I realize there's not any one kind of person that makes a great ally, but what are some of the traits that you see across the board that make strong allies? Yeah, well, uh, the second part of my book is dedicated to that. I have about nine um, elements of it. So um, the way it is when I thought about being an ally is there's lots of different good characteristics, but I really came down to about nine that I thought really come up over and over and over and over again. So, and those are courage, compassion, loyalty, honesty, consistency, selflessness, sacrifice, perseverance, and the most important one, sincerity. Those are some of the characteristics that every true ally should have. 
Now, the problem is that some predators could exhibit that or appear to be. And there isn't really not much of a foolproof way to say this is for sure an ally, this is for sure a predator. There just isn't. People are people. They can let you down. People can change. I mean, I don't pretend to have good answers just to say who's who, who's not. But the only thing I can say is long-term consistent uh, behavior and and output. So uh, those, that's the only thing I can really say. And that takes time. And for those that are interested about that uh, or allies, just start small and work your way up. That's probably the best way. And for associates, those that are in communities that deal with that, allies, um, same thing there to prove, you know, just who's going to be low and who's not. So because it's, it's going to be hard for me to say, um, but there's no foolproof way. But, you know, you got to take chances. So, um, can't always be, can't always look at things negatively. You gotta be positive about things. So, but there just is no foolproof way. And I'd be lying to tell you the different. I think that's something that I know in my work when I'm talking to people about the concept of being an ally, some people are afraid of it and because they, they want to help, but they don't want to just say or do the wrong thing. And they want to be part of helping to heal. And that's something that we hear a lot about, especially over the past year or so, that that we need to heal together. Mm-hmm. How are allies a part of that healing process? Uh, friendships can help. Um, just uh, being a lending ear and listening for those that are willing to tell you. Don't try to force people to do it. I wouldn't do that. So uh, mm-hmm. just like you hear the phrase, never give unsolicited advice, you know, don't try to force it. No one likes the person tries to force you to open up, period. I know I don't like it. Um, maybe sharing common struggles. Uh, poverty is a common thing for everybody, whether in your resilient community or not. But there's certain, you know, being a resilient community makes it a lot worse. But there's certain things about poverty that are true to everybody, like struggling to pay bills, uh, having collectors come after you, like what I use, the company that I used to represent once upon a time. So those are all things that can be common, and you can find commonality there and build straight there and then allies can understand this is a part where being a Zen community adds an extra challenge to it that I don't have and I get resilient communities because you know my allies maybe they may seem friendless in some way but they also have real struggles too that I can relate with because in a lot of ways they do go through the same things that I do. I'm glad you brought up um, you know the things that you have in common and Sometimes what we'll see is different resilient communities where there are allies for other resilient communities. Now, you yourself are um, Puerto Rican and your community has helped shape your beliefs. Talk to me about the importance of allyship from your perspective within the Puerto Rican community and how then that relates to other resilient communities. There's not a history out in my community, so I see it as a continuation of it. So. Um... The days in New York, the you know, awards are a good example of that. Um, there's some collaboration going on now in Florida where I live um, to a certain extent. But it's based on a common struggle, fighting against racial oppression, which was really big, a big problem back then. It still is now, uh, not quite the same, but it was the thing that like, united the two groups. So uh, part of it is just shared experiences. They lived in some of the same tenements, had some of the same experiences, so they were united together. Why is that important? Because uh, the strength in numbers. So uh, a lot of times, resident communities tend to find themselves in a position where they may be numerically weak, and they just have enough 
people to where they feel they can make a difference. Maybe financially, they might not be the strongest alone against the dominant one. But when you combine them with other resilient communities, that changes. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some challenges with that. I have a whole section of my book that talks about that. Sometimes there's a lot of political difference with those will always come out. Just There's no way around it. Sometimes resilient communities don't like each other. Sometimes for the same reasons the dominant is. They've bought into it. That's unfortunately a fact of life. That's going to continue for a long time. But uh, if they can put aside their differences, they can work together and accomplish big things, you know, liberation for both of them. So, um, but those are separate issues that do come up, especially for an ally might be one. Helping another, you can be caught in the middle of that and that can be tough. There's, you know, sometimes you may be pushed and pulled by forces that are outside of your control. So sometimes issues, there might be political issues that may and they make one resilient community say, I really can't work with another one until this gets resolved. And for allies there, they can be kind of stranded between the two. And you can only do so much. I mean, you can do your best to kind of be a matchmaker, try and talk to people to put it to see a different perspective. But that won't always work. And at that point, just keep working. So um, it's justice, the biggest issue with justice is it does move very slowly, sometimes too slow. And you may get caught up in the middle of it when it uh, starts to stall out sometimes. It never stops, but it does certainly feel that way many times. Yeah, that's one. That's a, a big theme in your book is about really having patience. And of course, you know, the title, Let's Get Sincere, and that sincerity that needs to come from allies which will help you in those times where justice does move slowly and you're not sure what to do or you feel caught in the middle or maybe you've made a mistake, a, a mis- misstep, or you've said something wrong, how to work through that. At the Towards the end of your book, you use a phrase to describe allies, which I just really I, I found very, very moving. And I'm hoping you'll share our, a little bit about it with our listeners. You say al- allies are warriors of light. They shine a unique, vibrant path. Talk to me about being a warrior of light. I think that's really a wonderful way of putting the relationship of allies and the resilient community. Uh, Well, I have a chapter dedicated to that, but it's basically just fighting the status quo that certain people can't help other people just because of how they were born. In a lot of ways, you know, you can be a resilient community by luck, but uh, by choice is how you are proud about it. Do you move things forward? As an ally, I don't know if I would say you can be born as one, but I will say you may, a lot of people may find that they've just always got a predisposition to find certain things that seem to be attractive. You just have to get along with those people. They just have to like you, maybe like things about their culture. That I will say you are born like that. You may be born with a predisposition. Be attracted to it, have that attraction to it, but it's your choice to be an actual ally and put more of a conscious effort to it. Because uh, there's many things I can like about another group without being an ally. We see people that do that all the time. So um, there's nothing that happens a lot. So being a warrior light is just moving a changing, just being a person for change. Uh, sometimes your actions are enough. I have one of Angelo Herndon in my book. Uh, he led a worker strike back in the 30s, and he got arrested, and he was put to death for it, so he had to be a warrior light. He was making a small, well, uh, actually a pretty, well, it seemed small at the time, it may seem small at the time, but it was actually a pretty big change, you know, having a biracial, you know, 
protest is a big thing back about 100, actually 90 years ago. So, but it can be smaller things too, like being a good friend or a good mentor. Like I have one of a professor that mentored a girl who was unfortunately assaulted and has a kid and in that book, she ends up going to prestigious law school and practice international law, which is great. That can be a more subtle thing to it. I mean, uh, I think W.E.D. Du Bois about 120 years ago wrote a letter to a girl that talked about being a nurse, but she was going against it because at that time she didn't think being a black woman would, she would, would allow her to do it. And he tried to write that letter to convince her otherwise. I read that in college many years ago. It stuck with me. I also don't know whatever happened to that girl. I don't know if anybody will ever figure that out, but well, small things like that could be helpful. So mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to put a nest on your chest and fly around the cape and move out and uh, you know, be super man or superwoman or whatever, but the smaller things, little things tend to help. So because uh, that's what most of us will be doing as a practical matter. So. Every little bit. Yeah. Well, Mark, where can our listeners learn more? How can they get a hold of your book? Give us all the information. Yeah, you can find it on uh, my book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Let's get sincere. Um, I have a paperback out. Um, it'll be on pre-order, and hard copy will be out in the next month or two. So, um, and you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram, C I N C E R one two sincere twelve. All right. Thank you so much, Mark Barrios Ayala, the author of Let's Get Sincere. For more information about this or Envision Rise, you can find us at envisionrise.com. Mark, thank you for your time today.